Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 521 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. This is Linux in the Hamshack. And this is the Weekender edition of Linux in the Hamshack. We decided to push this one out because there's going to be kind of a two-week-ish break where uh, the hosts are all busy and traveling and otherwise occupied. So we didn't want to leave you hanging, and we also didn't want to take that break and come back with the Weekender. We'll leave you with the Weekender so you can enjoy some hedonism, maybe some interesting discussion, and we'll come back and hit you with a deep dive right in the gullet. So... All right, we should probably uh, plow on here and get moving with our dive into hedonism and random topics and, and all the good things that make life worth living. Unfortunately, Cheryl W5MOO can't be with us yet again, hopefully very, very soon. We're still working on it. But in the meantime, I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. So the way we start the weekenders is we choose a random topic. And I've got the picker wheel up. I've randomized it five times. We're down to seven topics, so we need some suggestions. Please hit us up if you got any. Otherwise, I'm just going to be making some crazy stuff up. So you might be hearing topics that uh, have nothing to do with anything that you're even interested in. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, although I'm quite sure that's already happened. Uh, but let's go ahead and spin the button or push the button, spin the wheel, and, and see what we get this time. This is one that I'm going to lean on Bill for because he knows more about it than I do. <laughs> it's an amateur. Uh oh. This is like every week. What are you talking yeah, about? What are you talking about? No, I don't want to hear it. Uh, this, is, this is one. You introduced me to this topic, sort of. So, um, this is oh, okay. all about the magic band, and we're talking about six meters. Now, you, the only thing I'm saying is you have more experience oh. with six meters than I do. So I guess we're just going to hit mm. some of the high points, maybe a 10,000-foot overview of operating six meters, the good, the bad, the ugly. And uh, I guess you can start with, like, what you do on six meters and uh, what you find interesting about it. Well, I mean, six meters is, yeah, the magic band. Why is it magical? Well, it's only open once in a while. <laughs> Normally during a season we call the E-season. And that's when uh, there's, you know, charged particle E clouds uh, or clouds in the E layer. I don't know exactly. You don't have to know. It's magic. You can look it up. (laughs) It's magic. That's right. It's just a puff of magic in the air. But you can tell if you uh, follow sites like, uh, uh, I think I use DX Maps. In fact, I just got an email today from them (laughs) about another opening. Uh, Yeah, there's tons of openings on six meters. Uh, let me just, yeah, DX Maps. That's what I've been using for years. 
uh, yeah, DX Maps, uh, they'll send you an alert uh, if you sign up uh, to uh, know when there's activity. It's not always accurate to your area, uh, especially here in Montana. It's not very accurate at all, uh, but it normally gives me an indication of there's actually some activity on the band. But uh, yeah, the E season is, geez, uh, pretty much uh, uh, pretty much uh, most of summer. Uh, it starts picking up in July really big. Uh, normally the uh, June VHF contest for six meters is is amazing. Uh, the conditions are amazing. And they continue into September when the September VHF contest comes around because most people are only making their contacts on six meters <laughs> because sometimes two and 440 and whatnot uh, don't work out unless you're really close in. But uh, yeah, I do uh, mainly, you know, I was doing a lot of CW and sideband in the early days of uh, of my activity on six meters. Uh, most people have gone to using FT8 and FT4 on six meters. So it's not quite as exciting as it used to be. Um, in fact, it, I mean, you can go when there's a big opening and you see, you know, FT8 looking like 20 meters on any given day on six meters. Um yeah, it's uh, you can tune right down to uh, where the CW would be normally, somewhere generally between you know uh, fifty oh uh, ninety and you know right below the voice section of the band, <laughs> and you don't hear a darn thing. <laughs> Nobody's on there, and and occasionally you can catch somebody on voice, but even that is uh, very rare. Very rare. One of the problems I, um, the problems but, I find uh, with, but yeah, so, with like ten meters and six meters is that the band itself is just so big. It's, I mean, obviously there are yes. calling frequencies in places where people generally hang out, like in the twenty-eight one hundred to twenty-eight three hundred for CW, twenty-three hundred and twenty-eight five hundred. You know, on you know ten meters and stuff like that. And of course, there's yes. uh, places where you can sort of go to look for people. Um, you know, on six meters as well, but just it's. You know, it's nice when you're when you're down in the eighty forty meter area. There's there's just not a lot of band there, so it you know, sp- sweeping the dial can usually net you something. But six meters and ten meters are huge, and people could be operating anywhere. So that's, that's funny. Uh, you know, I I I I kind of agree with that. Maybe on ten meters, but like generally, people in various areas will operate in certain ranges. And of course, you so, have the the DX clusters, you know, it's, to, it's, to spots and stuff. like that. So that that's helpful too sometimes. Yeah. 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 I mean, six meters has always been a little bit more tight, tight, you know, uh, voice would only start creeping up, you know, once, you know, 50, 125 and 50, 130 were kind of packed. And all of a sudden you start seeing people just start working up, you know, every five KC, you'd, you'd have another station. Uh, when it was popular, or you know, when voice was popular on six meters, um, CW, you know, obviously just all, the whole CW band is not very large. It's fr- pretty much the same size as most of the other bands. Um, yeah, and then uh, FM starts, you know, pretty much at what fifty two hundred, fifty two megahertz yeah. or whatever. Fifty two five two five two five is the uh, calling frequency or whatever, and then you can find repeaters and whatnot. I have never ever worked FM There's on six meters. There's a six meter repeater somewhere, at, and I don't know that I can hit it. But <laughs> I think it's like one of those ones that has a, I think it has a PL and everything. And I'm, I'm not sure I've even been into my IC7100 uh, enough to know how to put a PL on a six meter frequency or, or whatnot. So, but yeah, it's pretty much been FT8 for me. But it's it's cool when it's open because one of the things about one of the things I think that 
or one of the reasons I think they call it magic is because it's really unpredictable because it's the, the hop can be anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. And like when it's open, your antenna is really right. You can have two leads connected to a penny and (laughs) make a contact generally. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, there's such a charged, you know, whatever magic cloud. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that yeah any any rf uh, basically will work um you can work six meters when there isn't ease uh it's just much 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 harder um you need very high gain antennas and lots of power and you can work six meters when there is no official opening quote unquote um so yeah it's 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 a fun band to work that's for sure i mean it's a small antenna what's a dipole like five foot i, don't think like that. I have the mfj hamstick dipole and i don't think the elements are even that long i think they're like three and a half four feet on each side yeah yeah those are you know coiled or whatever anyway but um i think like natively it's it's not a big antenna so like most people can put up like even a cheesy uh dipole with some wire and you're gonna have a lot of success on six meters i use a squalo here at the house um just because i have one and (laughs) it's tuned (laughs) on six meters Uh, so I have it up on a painter's pole that I push up uh, when season starts, and it's up until uh, pretty much now when it's starting to snow, uh, just because, you know, I don't want to kill my painter's pole. I need it for hanging Christmas lights. So, um, but yeah, six meters is really fun. I mean, I kind of like it. It's it's on almost every HF rig. So if you have an HF rig, you probably already have six meters. If you're a technician class, you can already operate six meters because it's VHF. Um, it's just an interesting kind of DX-ish band. Uh, gives you interesting almost HF propagation when it's open. And it uh, allows you to use... Well, it allows you to use the HF radio if you're, you know, not a general, uh, at least for something useful. Uh, it's funny meters. you should mention that because yeah. I was licensed in 1993 and I didn't have six meters until a year and a half ago. <laughs> no, I didn't yeah. have. You didn't meters. use my six Kenwood meters. doesn't have six meters. <laughs> yeah. so it's only. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You have the what the 570 or something. Yeah, <laughs> there was like one model of the 570 that had it and one that Right, the G version the one that, that had it, but mine was the one that didn't have it. I bought that thing a long, long time ago, and I, I didn't think I would, you know, I didn't know that I would miss six meters until I was sort of exposed to the wonder of the Magic Band, and then I was like, ah, oh, crap, now i got to buy a radio. But <laughs> There you go. Ted Ted just confirmed. It's one and yeah, a half about four meters feet. on so so, That confirms yeah, with basically what I have up in the air, and... It's like you said, when the band is open, it's, it's easily as effective as my big inverted view dipole. So, yeah, it's, it's really amazing. And, uh, my first six meter rig was the one I let you borrow for quite a while. The, uh, Alinko DX 70 th yep. <laughs> So, uh, and that, that, I mean, that worked fine for six meters and, you know, I, I only did digital modes later on with that particular rig and yeah, I don't think I've ever done FT eight on there cause it wasn't around when I, uh, <laughs> when I had that one, but, um, yeah, it's a very accessible band. It's a very accessible to make an antenna. Um, it's just very unpredictable when it's going to be open. I mean, if I'm, I'm looking at DX maps right now, of course it's nighttime here while we're recording. So the U S generally at nighttime, it's yeah, it's not going to be open. But I can see right now that uh, Japan is working into South South America, so that's kind of interesting. 
There's, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Morocco is working into, uh, it looks like Peru. Uh, there's some activity on mainland Europe. So, uh, yeah, there's lots of activity going on the band right now. So it, it can be open at really random times. Obviously, it's daylight hours for most of those folks, except for possibly Brazil and uh, South America there. They should be in darkness, I'm assuming, <laughs> most time zones. Um, but do we get those openings, too, here in the U.S.? We'll get openings to Japan. I've worked into Jap- Japan. I've worked down to South America. I've worked into Europe on six meters. Uh, you can work de-expeditions on six meters. In fact, I think that's Swain's Island uh, that was just on the air not too, but like a week ago or something like that. They had six meters and they were uh, doing six meters EME. So it's also a band that is functional for an Earth-Moon-Earth contact. So you can use it for that. Again, you'll want a, a pretty fine antenna for that. <laughs> you don't want to... Uh, you don't want to be pointing a squalo at the moon, I don't think. I think you want a little bit of forward gain in order to 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 get a reception off off of an EME contact. But it's a it's a very uh, very approachable band, and it's very fun while it's active. It's very fun in those uh, those VHF contests. So if you're not really uh, equipped to have like a rotating two meter four forty beam uh, to run those kind of bands or the even the microwave bands. Uh, six meters, just running six meters only during those contests um, with just a simple dipole or even a vertical out on your vehicle and just being a rover, uh, you'll have a lot of fun. I mean, it, it, it would be a, a lot of fun and not not too much effort to actually make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to I'm looking at my log here real quick to see if I can find what what kind of places I've worked on six meters here. Six meters. Show me interesting things. <laughs> Uh, okay so are these all six meter okay so what kind of places have i worked on six meters we've got the u.s canada might be uh dominican republic mexico yeah it's all kind of short for me but yeah canada mexico so you know central america united states so that's that's what i've been able to hit but yeah and it's also one of these bands that you know the sun the solar cycle is huge, so we're not quite into the peak of the solar cycle, so we still have a, probably at least another year and a half of pretty interesting and fun solar conditions. So if you haven't gotten into the Magic Band or 6 meters and you happen to have it, then uh, we do what Russ did, right? You just put a couple of hamsticks on a dipole mount and uh, just just put it up in the air. Or even a squalo. I, I, I've had this squalo for years, and it probably, I probably got it for free. But I think I've seen them at Hamfest for like less than fifty bucks, um, and the painter pole, you know, about another twenty bucks for the painter's pole. I mean, you can you can have a functional functional system with a very low investment, and uh, and because the antenna is so small, your neighbors probably won't notice it. So it might be even one you can sneak in an HOA and and uh, and not get. And in because of for. the frequency and the the wavelength of the antenna you don't have to have it super high off the ground either which is also helpful i think um what a half is what a half wavelength or a full wavelength you, you need above the ground yeah you want it to be full wavelength so like at least three right. meters off the ground yeah so like 10, so was that 10 feet yeah basically that's, nothing. that's not bad <laughs> it, it, it's better if you get it a little bit higher you know at least get it over your roof would be nice <laughs> but like my painter's pole only goes up 18 foot and i have it mounted to a deck that's three foot off the ground so yeah so 21 foot it goes up 
I don't think it really makes the peak of the house, but uh, uh, it seems to work just fine. And uh, you almost, well, you can't see it from the street, but you can see it from yeah, the backyard. Yeah, I have backyard. mine on a Roan HF20, which is a 20-foot antenna. It's not quite at the top, so it's probably about 17 or 18 feet up, and it works just fine. So, uh, well, is there anything else we need to say about it? <laughs> Except get out there and work some six meters. Make sure you're rig- Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you have it and you haven't done it yet, just go go do it. It's it's so easy to get on the air. It's very approachable. And, you know, if you like FT8 and FT4, <laughs> you're going to be in it to win it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and say. one nice thing about it, at least if you have a, if you have uh, any kind of antenna, you know, worth its salt, you can tune it up. You can tune up six meters on anything. <laughs> I mean, we still have a reasonable, yeah, um, yeah. you know, power output because, you know, unless it's just something that's, that's you know, because my multiband obviously is not tuned for six meters, but it works just fine on six meters. And I don't think it's even a struggle for the tuner to, you know, to match it. So, and of course, I don't have to match it at all on the hamstick dipole. So, yeah. you know, that's the better radiator. But, you know, like you said, once if the band is open, you can you can hook up your underwear and make contacts. Yeah. Yeah. I have a six meter element on my hf9v vertical that i've used in the past as well and i mean that's always worked just fine uh the squalo just works just ever so slightly better uh especially for the weaker signals and stuff like that so um that's the only reason why i I use that i mean technically i always have in my vertical a six meter antenna and uh, I have many contacts, many, many contacts off of that wire that is definitely not tuned. <laughs> the tuner definitely has to eat eat everything else from that. But the squalo is, uh, you know, is, is pretty- All right. Very good. So that's our little 10,000-foot uh, overview of the six-meter band. It's uh, really fun and interesting when you get out there. And if you get a chance to work something other than digital on it, too, that's uh, that's even better. Probably something I should try and focus on more getting up into the high parts of the HF band and low parts of the VHF band and actually working some voice or BSK or something. So gotta go find <laughs> no, that I still have the microphone. I'm just going to plug it in. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, that is our random topic for this weekender. So now we can slip on into the uh, nice silk pajamas of hedonism. And as we always do in hedonism, we start with food because, you know, we're human and we all got to eat. And if you're going to eat, you might as well enjoy it. So Cheryl was kind enough to find us a recipe and a cocktail recipe to talk about for this episode. So I guess I will run through this real quick. She has given us pan de muertos or Mexican bread of the dead. So it's almost Dia de los Muertos, Mm. Halloween and all that good stuff. So I'm sure that's the reason for this. Uh, she decided to share a recipe for this pan de muertos. It's a bread made for the November 2 celebration known as Dia de los Muertos, of course. You can also mold the bread into different shapes like angels and animals. The anise seed, while suggested, is optional. But you definitely need the orange zest, she says. So make sure you have some of that. For the bread, the ingredients are milk, butter or margarine, water, all-purpose flour, white sugar, anise seed, Recommended, but not necessary. Dry yeast, teaspoon of salt, large eggs, and orange zest. And for the glaze, you need sugar, orange juice, orange zest, and white sugar. 
So in case you haven't picked up on this, it's got an orangey flavor. <laughs> and very sweet. Because, yes, of course, it's really nice. So <laughs> I'm guessing this is along the lines of monkey bread or, you know, that kind of thing. Or Amish bread. Uh, what do they call it? stuff? Um, the stuff you do the starters for. Sourdough. Is that sourdough? No. Friendship bread. Friendship sourdough bread. That's what I was starting to for, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, to make the bread, you have to do a whole bunch of different things. There's a long list of stuff. I guess bread is not the easiest thing. Of course, baking is never really easy, and it actually requires some attention to detail. So all of these, the information on the directions on how to make this will be in the show notes, of course. And for her mixed drink corner or cocktail corner or whatever, should be Cheryl's Cocktail Corner, right? Because that's three C's, even though they're not pronounced the same. Because <laughs> we call it Carol's. <laughs> Cheryl's Cocktail Corner? I don't know. Uh, but this one is called Frida's Flowers. And the description is uh, a Dia de los Muertos celebration cocktail for, you know, celebrating Dia de los Muertos. Right. So this obviously involves tequila because, you know, Dia de los Muertos. Uh, you can use strawberry syrup or hibiscus syrup, fresh lime juice, and creme de cacao. So you shake all the ingredients vigorously with plenty of ice, strain into a coupe or martini glass, and garnish with edible flowers if you have them and you so desire. So lime, strawberry, or hibiscus, creme de cacao, and tequila. Again, a sweet one, but it sounds good. Yeah, interesting. Interesting mix of sort of uh, the, the fruity and the chocolatey. So Yeah, almost like a... Um... It's not even. I mean, the creme de, c- de cacao is like only a weird splash, part. Yeah, it's right? just kind of almost like garnish. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost like a weird margarita, <laughs> or maybe a you know, a, 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 what do you call those things? Martini, yeah, or something uh, like that, like a right. tequila martini. And you're supposed to serve it in a coupe or martini glass, so that kind of lends itself to that. Yeah, so there you go. All right. Very good. And so moving on, we have my drink corner. And tonight I'm going to be talking about Old Elk blended straight bourbon whiskey, which is uh, a little bit of a departure for me. But there's a specific reason I had this bottle, which I'll get to after I read the description. According to Old Elk, the key to our bourbon is our high malted barley content in our mash bill. By investing in our bourbon and using four times more malted barley than traditional recipes, we've created a non-traditional bourbon that generates sweet and light components. Aged for five years, the malted barley combined with the spicy essence of clove from the rye and the classic rich bourbon character from the corn amounts to a robust and smooth taste profile. It it is definitely different. Um, I'm not sure what the blending part of it is. They don't really go into that. Um, But it is very high malted barley. And because of that, you do get some uh, malty notes, um, which are good. Um, The reason I bought this particular bottle is because I was looking for something to celebrate my dad uh, back in April when he passed away. And he passed away at the age of 88. So I was looking for whiskey that was 88 proof. And there aren't that many of them. I did find a few. Uh, for example, Wyoming whiskey is 88 proof. However, the store I went to did not have Wyoming whiskey. And I also found three or four more that were mm. bottled at 88% or 88 proof, sorry, 44%. Uh, but this was the only one they actually had, so I bought it. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I was looking. There was like Redemption, Redemption one, but well. I had I had Redemption. an eighty-eight, but it's very hard to find. I've I've never found the eighty-eight anywhere. I've seen Redemption a bunch of yeah. places, but never seen the eighty-eight. Uh, I think there there's one or two more that are bottled at eighty-eight. But anyway, I wound up buying this, um, and so it's it's not bad. I I got mine in a uh, 
special like commemorative box and it comes with a big uh gold colored uh elk head pourer that you can <laughs> you can stick on and pour the pour the whiskey through <laughs> if you so desire if you want to be extraordinarily flamboyant um otherwise the um the cork is kind of shaped like a tree log which is kind of cool as well uh but the mash bill on it is 51% corn 34% malted barley which is in fact very high and 15% rye so it's even kind of high on the rye side uh it comes out of Fort Collins Colorado even though it's a blended Kentucky straight bourbon uh the color on it is a, a medium caramel and what i got out of it on the nose is a nice sweet vanilla and caramel some banana clove spice hints of maple and almonds so pretty nice and uh flavors and aromas that kind of lend themselves toward the end of the year and uh holiday season type stuff with the maple and clove and things like that um it tastes of maple syrup almonds bitter orange raw bran which of course is from that high malted barley chocolate a deep woody note coconut and salt grass so lots of different things in there it's not a perfect meld of flavors into uh you know a symphony of taste, um, but it is pretty interesting, and that's probably from the blending and whatever they do with it. And the fil- uh, the finish is salted caramel, some light woody notes, malted grain, of course, from the high bar- barley content, nuts, and honey. So it's not bad. Let me take another sip of it here. Yeah, there's even kind of a beery quality in the taste, and I think, again, that's the barley content, the, the high grain. Um, I don't remember if I had to pay extra for the commemorative bottle. But on average, this runs about $50, so it's not too bad. And I, I kind of really wanted to rate this at 88 just because, you know, 88. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it's just not quite that good. <laughs> so, yeah, so I had, to, oh, I had no. to bump it down to 86. But overall, it's pretty good. I would say it's oh. a little on the expensive side for something that's a sort of mid-80s range bourbon. But um, it, it was not by far the worst thing i could buy for that kind of money and uh it does have the uh, requisite 88 proof so i can toast my dad every time i have a little bit of old elk and uh feel good about it as i drink it that is what i have old elk blended straight bourbon whiskey and you have something as well yeah i was just thinking about that old elk because that's out of colorado i probably have seen it on the shelf here many times and i see they make a, a double weeded uh old elk as well which looks kind of interesting but they don't seem to have that available anymore. Might have to go hunting for it or something. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I uh, picked out a bottle today, uh, and this is a Rossville Union bottled in bond straight rye whiskey. And you're like, well, it's Rossville Union. You've already had it. But no, this is actually a limited release. Uh, Rossville Union's master distiller, Ian Stersman, hand-selected this bottled in bond six-year-old rye whiskey this masterfully crafted 2023 limited release rye whiskey is caramel and mocha forward with a rich candied fruit body and a slight green apple malted chocolate and cinnamon finish. It's uh, aged six years, and of course, it's 50% ABV. Uh, it was around $50, so plus or minus taxes and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's um, let me let me have another. Why do here. we know it's 50% ABV? That's right. It's bottled and bond. Uh, bottled it has and to bond. be a hundred proof. Yeah, you know, I, I, um, it's growing on me. I, I, I kind of like <laughs> this. This is actually really good. <laughs> How does it compare with the regular, you know, um, barrel proof one? Yeah, I mean, the barrel proof one is, I think, better. 
I thought that my first uh, swig of this was a bit on the Bernie side, but I think it's like the third third sip I've had, and it's all I've had from this one because I literally just bought this today. And just I think there's sometimes a problem with things being bottled in bond. I think the restriction of it mm-hmm. having to be produced at 100 proof is not always to the malt's benefit. Uh, sometimes it would, would yeah. be well served to be released at a slightly lower or slightly higher proof. So the fact that it comes out at 100 might be a good thing, but could very well not be. Yeah. So, you know, I thought I would try this out since it was, uh, you know, something familiar, but then something new altogether. I didn't even know it was a limited release. I was just kind of roaming around the store aimlessly, <laughs> as I normally do, looking for just a random bottle and they had a stack of these and i'm like oh well that's a different shape bottle which it is a different shape so if you look at it online it's a it's a, it's a different shape than the normal rossville union bottle uh so that's what stood out to me i was like oh, it's rossville union um that's not the shape of the bottle so uh yeah so i picked it out it's um uh, it's it's pretty good i mean <laughs> it's limited release so you know you, you might want to run out and grab one it's uh i don't think you'd be disappointed no yeah i mean it has a yeah, it has a fantastic nose and it tastes it tastes really good. It's got a nice nice uh, you know, spiciness to it, but not 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 lingering spice. So uh yeah, it's it's very good. That might be worth picking up just because I need to keep augmenting my rye selection. I just don't have that many yeah, of them. So that's a that's a good one. All right, very good. So that brings us down to announcements and feedback. And the only things we have are the fact that, as we already mentioned, we're low on weekender topics. So if you have anything you want to sling our way, please do so. We would really appreciate it. Otherwise, we're going to start digging in the bottom of the barrel and uh, you never know. We'll have six topics left. (laughs) It won't be good. Uh, You you don't know what's left, but it could be terrible. And the other thing, of course, is for the next two weekends, we will not be recording. So after this is released, we will not be recording again until November 12th, just so everyone is aware. Uh, But we will be having a deep dive then. So we look forward to uh, having you join us when we come back. And And, oh, and oh, I just wanted to mention that I did make it out to uh, to uh, Bellingham and linux fest northwest i was my typical introverted self and did not speak to many people <laughs> i did wear you know my linux in the ham shack t-shirt and talk to a few people uh there including one that i'd met uh back in 2019 and uh i apparently i must have rubbed off on him enough that he went and got his license and he's now a licensed general I don't, I don't, I didn't get his call sign. <laughs> I should have asked it. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's got his general class license. He's still, still kind of figuring out what he wants to do with ham radio. He's, I think he only has a handheld right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he is a listener. So hi, thank you. Thank you for saying hi and telling me all about your, 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 your ham radio experience. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. It was, uh, definitely a different event. Uh, because we didn't really have, well, we didn't have my talk. We didn't have the regular tracks, the multi-tracks and stuff like that. Um, Friday night, we had uh, a meetup uh, that was basically at uh, Brewing, the Stone, I think a Stone Throws Brewing or something something similar to that in uh, uh, Fairhaven, which is basically South Bellingham. I think that's what they sort of call it. Uh, really good. I had some drinks there, had, had a couple of beers. Um, it was kind of far away from the hotel so i didn't want to drink too much i I think i only had two beers and then kind of skadoodled out of there uh did get to talk to some folks there i saw chris you know fisher from 
you know, uh, you know, Jupiter Broadcasting and Noah, which we've had on the podcast here, talk about you know what Linux audio, uh, and of course he's uh, has his own radio show and podcast. What what what's his podcast called? Noah, 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 Noah. Yeah, you're asking you're asking me on the wrong night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, my brain is not working tonight. Uh, no, uh, anyway, most of you know who Noah is if you listen to a lot of Linux podcasts. Uh, so he lives over in uh, my neighboring state here in uh, North Dakota. Uh, he runs Alta Alta Speed Networks. Ask Noah. That's the that's the podcast. Ask Noah Show. Uh, Noah Chalaya. So uh, yeah, he was there. Yeah, a bunch of the other Jupiter Broadcasting uh, people were there. I think Brent and um, maybe Wes was there. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really go up and talk to them just because, you know, there was a lot of people that wanted to talk to them. <laughs> so, so I just let the people co- you know, co- go around them. But anyway, yeah, Friday night was at the, the, the brewery. After that, they did a, a video game slash card game slash everything pinball game place meetup after that, which was just like two blocks down. But, um, I was traveling with my wife, so I decided to go back to the hotel <laughs> and, and not partake in the uh, the gaming aspect of it. But I heard it was a lot of fun, and everybody had a great time. Uh, the second day, Saturday, they had a couple of tracks at the uh, library uh, from about one to well, one to about four thirty, I think it went to. And I did sneak in there about two o'clock and caught uh, some interesting talks from the Fedora folks, uh, as well um, um, the 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 guys from um uh, clonezilla were there and talking about clonezilla and uh, it was very interesting that uh yeah clonezilla can run via pixie boot because i, I kind of just piqued my mind since uh, we were talking about uh uh what ventoy right ventoy has a pixie boot option as well for the ventoy server um so yeah that that was kind of interesting and cool to uh, hear a little bit more in depth from the people directly involved with uh, with that project. Um, other than that, there was a dinner right after that uh, downtown, and uh, I think it's called a Brady Wine Kitchen in downtown Bellingham. And the food there was pretty good. Uh, service was okay. They kind of kept up. I mean, it was a lot of people that all showed up at once. Uh, I would say probably in the neighborhood, somewhere between 70 to 100 people. Uh, we're in this kind of mass gaggle of um, Linux, you know, Northwest people that uh, that still made the event, even though the event was pseudo canceled because <laughs> our location being canceled. So yeah, it was a, still a pretty good showing. Uh, the weather was uh, was pretty good. Uh, typical North, uh, you know, Pacific Northwest weather: wet, uh, cloudy, foggy. Uh, um, couple of breaks of sunshine. Uh, much better than the snow we're getting now, though. So that that's 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 fine with me. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was really fun. Uh, good time to go there too. Uh, you know, the leaves were of course falling and changing colors, so we got a got a glimpse of what the uh, the Pacific Northwest leaves look like and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, great trip, great trip overall. Had a lot of fun. Went into Seattle for a little bit, uh, both on Friday morning and on Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, after and before our flight. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really good. They're looking forward to having the event, I guess, in April uh, next year. So that'll be when the next Linux and the uh, not Linux Linux Fest Northwest will occur. So I will attempt to get that on my schedule, but we'll we will see when it 
gets a final date and a final location. And maybe, just maybe, I will talk about amateur radio and the combination of Linux there. Well, hopefully they don't have issues like they had this year with the building, and uh, it will all go off without a hitch. Um, Yeah, that would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) All right, very good. So, yeah, stay tuned for uh, Northwest Linux Fest next year. I don't don't think uh, there's any chance I'll make it out there, but uh, not with uh, Hamvention being the next month and all that good stuff. All right, so with that, we're down to new subscriber supporters and live participants in our social media feed. So we got some people to mention here on Facebook. We have David Berkland, John Bogner, Les Moses, Glenn Butcher, Falim Doyle, Antonio Patricio, Simuel Beckwith, Pete Summers, Stephen Forcier, Arnold Grubbs, G.A. Torres Ramos, and 19 more people that can't be named because Facebook sucks. Um on Twitter, we had one follower, one new follower, uh, D-E-K-0-N-Y-X, or D-E-K-0-N-Y-X. On Instagram, we had P-Y-1-Z-B. On Mastodon, we had at Morad, at Bostazar70, at E-A-8-D-H-Y, and at Nanny A-K-D, A-K, uh, or Nanya K-D-A, maybe Nanya K-D-A, something like that. <laughs> uh, mailing list, we had Pierre Bolt. And on Discord, we had Oh That Guy and Yippee Skippy. Yippee Skippy. And uh, since it was an off night for recording, we only had one diehard fan in the chat, and that's Ted, W-A-0-E-I-R. So thanks for being here, Ted. We appreciate it. And we also appreciate all of you who are fans of Linux in the Hamshack, who listen to the show, who contribute, who uh, send us cash to help keep the lights on, and all of the folks who just, you know, get the word out and are part of our little piece of the internet we really appreciate each and every one of you thanks for hanging out with us and with that we do have a little bit of a hiatus here but um we'll be back in a couple of weeks a little more than a couple of weeks and we'll have some continued great content as we go in toward the end of 2023 so thanks for being here we're going to get on out of here and uh sign off from this Weekender, episode number 521 of Linux in the Hamshack. For the on assignment, Cheryl, W5MOO, I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's one 909 Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.